I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hi, it's Amy McDonald's here. Welcome to this edition of the Arsenal Audio Program. Arsenal versus Villarreal, Thursday, May the 6th, 2021, kickoff 8pm. The contents, the manager, Mikel Ateta, the captain, Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang, voice of Arsenal, Arsenal history, forward Arsenal, match action, Villarreal versus Arsenal, community, my story, visitors, Villarreal. Academy, Arsenal Women, Match Action, Arsenal versus Everton, and Teams. Manager's Notes, Mikel Arteta. We really needed that result on up at Newcastle on Sunday afternoon, that's for sure. Not only in terms of building confidence for tonight's game, but also to give us something that we have deserved, because that hasn't always been the case lately. We have not always been rewarded for the way we've played in recent games, so it was good to finally get those three points at Newcastle, because we dominated the game. It's true that winning on Sunday was the best way to prepare for tonight's match, but the Premier League is important too, and the players that haven't played so much lately got a lot of minutes at the weekend. More than that, they showed that they can play a really high level at the moment. What we saw on Sunday is the importance and value of getting the first goal of the game. That's been missing for us lately. If you can do that, it brings a lot of confidence to your play, and Mo's goal put us in control early on. I think the team controlled the game really well from that point, and we had periods of a lot of quality. The timing, the movement, the understanding and the chemistry between the players was really good. You could see from the reaction of his teammates after his goal that Mo is a really popular character in the dressing room. He works really hard every day, he behaves the right way and he only thinks about the team and that's why he is so great to work with. We scored a good second goal as well in the second half through Orba. That was Orba's first start after his illness, and we wanted to see how he could cope on the pitch. 
Last Thursday, he was only able to play 10 or 15 minutes in Spain. He had some difficult days just before the game, but he felt better before Sunday's match. I spoke with him and he wanted to start. He managed to play more minutes than we expected him to, and of course, to score a goal as well will really give him a big lift. It's a real positive. So, apart from David Luiz's injury, it was nearly the perfect afternoon for us. We kept the team fresh, gave players with the right attitude the chance to play this game, and got the win and a clean sheet as well. Some of the players who came into the side had some strong performances, but to be honest, they've been preparing really well all the time. They deserved the chance, and now we have lots to think about ahead of tonight's game. I think they all played really well, and Gabby Martinelli is one of those who put in a strong performance. Right now, he is improving every week. He's taking his minutes in the right way, and he's developing the way we all believe he can. On Sunday, he had an assist, which was an important moment, and he had some good moments off the left, and also trying to play as a number nine as well. Time will tell what position will be his best but I would like to develop him in both positions because I think he has got the potential to do both. Ever since the final whistle on Sunday, though, we have been focused on tonight's match. Last week, we stayed in Spain after the game as part of our preparation because we wanted to give the players the right rest and then mentally start to focus again. First on the Newcastle game and now tonight's match. We had to pick the right players to play and perform at Newcastle, and they responded. I think the message got across really clearly. Now we have some big selection decisions to make for this second leg game. First, we need to pick the right team to beat them, but also during the game we have to be intelligent and make the correct decisions on the substitutions during the game, because you get five subs, and that can be absolutely key in European matches. We'll go for it. The first leg was two really different halves against Villarreal. We have learned from that. There are certain things when you play in Europe that you have to be aware of. For example, in the boxes, you have to be really on it. You need maximum concentration in both boxes because one slip could cost you. We know that discipline is massive as well and we'll talk about that before the game today. Enjoy the match and let's get this club to another final tonight. Captain's Notes Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang After a few games without winning, we really needed that one on Sunday. When you go into a big game like the one we have tonight, it's always much better if you can do that after having a victory. So it was just what we wanted to help our preparations. It's good for the confidence of the team, and since Sunday we have been training really well together, getting ready for this match. I was pleased to score as well, of course, at St. James's Park. I think it was a good goal too. Gabby did incredible work throughout the game, and he gave me the assist for my goal, so all the credit goes to him. I was happy to score it, because I seemed to score quite often against Newcastle, and I wanted to keep that going. When you have been out for a few weeks, you're always happy when you can come back to the pitch and feel able to help your team again. That was the feeling I had. It was my first start for a while, and I felt so good to be back out there, and scoring a goal made it even better. I was definitely happy with that one. 
I felt fresh and strong out there, but I have to say that the last five minutes I was dying a bit. But to tell the truth, I was really good throughout the rest of the game, so I was really happy with how I came through it. I must say as well that the doctors did incredible work with me over the past few weeks. Also, everyone in the hospital who treated me were fantastic, so I want to say thanks to them because they did a great job. I'm really thankful to everyone on that side. On the game itself on Sunday, it was much easier for us after we scored so early on. That was the idea going into the match. We spoke about how we could make a fast start and we did a great job on that. When you score early, it builds you up and also knocks down the opponent at the same time and everything changes from then. We were able to play our game after that moment, have more confidence and take control. So it was an important goal, but also a big one for Mo personally. His first in the Premier League. He really, really wanted that for a while now, but I knew it would come because he worked so hard and he scored in Europe. Some great goals too. So we all know he can do it. He's an absolutely great guy too. We're all so happy for him. Let's hope he gets some more now. So two goals and three points was what we wanted, especially in a week with a huge game like this. Last week in Spain we did not see the real Arsenal, in the first half especially. I don't know why, but we were slow to start the match, and against a side like Villarreal, you will be punished. They put us in trouble early and we had to react. We did do that though. We spoke a lot at half-time about how to turn it around, because we knew there was still a long time to go. Then Nico scored that penalty in the second half, and that could be really, really big for us. We have to start quicker in this game, though. We cannot afford to give chances away like we did, because Villarreal are a very strong side. They are clever, and they can make you pay. It's a semi-final. There's no more chances. We have to play our game and get the win here at the Emirates. We will need everyone to be ready for the game. All over the pitch, we need people to step up and do their job. We saw on Sunday that everyone is ready to perform, and we've had some good training sessions this week too. We know what's needed, and we know what the reward is tonight. I'm sure if we all perform how we know we can, if we all play our game, then we can turn around the result from the first leg and make it through to the final. Thanks for your support, and again... Thanks for your messages on social media while I was ill. I really appreciate it. Voice of Arsenal. Bookers the best. Bookier Sarkar scooped the prestigious London Young Player of the Year at the recent London Football Awards. It's fantastic recognition for Bookier's superb season which has seen the 19-year-old play 41 games for the Gunners, scoring seven goals with nine assists, and also make his England debut during the current campaign too. The capital-based teams have featured some excellent performances from young players in 2020-21, and Bukio pipped his teammate Emil Smith-Rowe, Chelsea's Mason Mount and Rhys James and West Ham's Declan Rice to the award. I think if you ask most players, they will say they want team trophies rather than individual trophies, said Bukio on receiving the award. I think I would rather win the World Cup than win player of the Tournament of the World Cup or with the Champions League and stuff like this. 
I would definitely say that I aspire to win a lot of team trophies in my career. It, winning London Young Player of the Year, hasn't sunk in. I think it is good that it hasn't sunk in, as I don't want any of this to go to my head. Bukio continued, It is really nice to have this award, because you work hard all season, and you give your all for the team, coach, club and fans. Then, to be voted as the Young Player of the Year at the London Football Awards, it shows people are recognising the hard work you are putting in. That's why, when I get awards like this, I always take a picture with it. I am always happy. I frame them all and put them up in my front room so I can look at them. It makes me smile every time I see stuff like this. All funds raised from the London Football Awards will benefit Willow, a charity run by Arsenal legend Bob Wilson and his wife Megs, and close to Arsenal fans' hearts. I am aware of the work Willow does and the special days that they give, said Bocchio. It is something I want to give to as well, because I think the charity is really nice, and I know that the club support them a lot. It is nice that I can win this award that is linked to Willow. Social Media Boycott Arsenal joined the FA, Premier League, EFL, FA Women's Super League, FA Women's Championship, PFA, LMA, PGMOL, Kick It Out, Women in Football and the FSA for a social media boycott from 3pm on Friday, April the 30th to 11.59pm on Monday, May the 3rd. Many other sports joined the movement too. Our participation built on our own Stop Online Abuse campaign and took place across the full fixture programme in our men's and women's professional game as we switched off Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, our Weibo, WeChat and Douyin channels in China, Twitch, YouTube and LinkedIn accounts. We know a boycott action in isolation will not eliminate the issue of online discriminatory abuse, but it continued the emphasis on asking social media companies to do more to eradicate online hate. We've heard firsthand how the abuse affects many of our own players, legends and many of the Arsenal family, and we cannot underestimate the impact it has. In February, English Football outlined its requests of social media companies, urging filtering, blocking and swift takedowns of offensive posts, an improved verification process and re-registration prevention, plus active assistance for law enforcement agencies to identify and prosecute originators of illegal content. While some progress has been made, this weekend's boycott will serve as a reminder of the requests. While football takes a stand, together we urge the UK government to ensure its online safety bill will bring in strong legislation to make social media companies more accountable for what happens on their platforms, as discussed at the DCMS Online Abuse Roundtable last week. Our participation in the social media boycott adds to a number of actions we've taken to bring about change and fulfil our responsibility to protect our players and our diverse global family and stamp out abuse. Tonight's game. Away goals will count double in the event of a draw on aggregate, so a 1-0 win for Arsenal tonight would see us qualify for the Europa League final, but a 3-2 victory would see Villarreal qualify. 
only a 2-1 home win tonight would result in extra time, consisting of two 15-minute periods. Away goals count double in extra time too, but no further goals during this period would result in penalties. Following their sending off in the first leg, Arsenal's Dani Sabayos and Villarreal's Etienne Capoue are both suspended tonight, but would be available for the final. The final takes place on Wednesday, May the 26th in Gdansk, Poland. UEFA has confirmed that 9,500 fans will be able to attend the match, with the finalists each receiving an allocation of 2,000 tickets. Notice Board Lucy Mayer Parker, born April the 20th, 2021. Mum and Dad love you lots and can't wait for you to watch the Arsenal for the first time. Totaliser £838. Arsenal remembers. David Ely, lifelong Arsenal fan, devoted husband to Kim, dad to Paris, Dalton, Dallas, and friend to many. We will miss you more than words can say. You will be forever in our hearts. Once a gunner, always a gunner. Miles Patrick Roche, remembering his wonderful, gentle soul and the love for his club Arsenal. With much love and sympathy from your family in London, to Margaret, Kieran and Riley. Ref Watch Tonight's referee is Slavko Vincic from Slovenia. The 41-year-old is an experienced official who has refereed Europa League, Champions League and World Cup qualifying fixtures this season. Vincic has been on the FIFA list since 2010 and has been officiating Europa League games since 2014-15, to but despite taking charge of numerous games in UEFA competitions over the years, tonight will be his first match officiating either Arsenal or Villarreal. Future Flow Follerin Balogun has committed his future to us by signing a new long-term contract with the club. The 19-year-old striker has been at the club since he was nine and has continued his impressive development this season, making his first-team debut and scoring his first goals at senior level. Flow to his teammates, the academy graduate has scored twice from his six first-team appearances this season, with both goals coming in the Europa League group stage away at Mulder and Dundalk. The New York-born striker, who has represented both the USA and England at youth level, has also continued to make an impact in our academy this season, scoring eight goals from his 18 appearances in the PL2 and EFL trophy. My ambitions for next season are to make an impact in the first team, not just to be one of the numbers, said Flo. I want to be somebody who eventually leads that group, so I'd say I have quite driven ambitions. We'll see if I can make them happen. Mikel Arteta said, We have been extremely impressed with Flo this season. He has continually shown his natural ability in many training sessions, and we have been equally impressed with his early integration into the first-team squad on match days. He has given us glimpses with the performances and, of course, with his two goals already for the first team. The hard work starts here for Flo, and we are all looking forward to supporting and working with him in the years to come. Chelsea game confirmed. 
The details of our Premier League fixture at Stamford Bridge against Chelsea have now been confirmed. The match will be played as follows. Chelsea vs Arsenal, Wednesday, May the 12th. Originally, Saturday, May the 15th. Kick-off, 8.15pm. Live on Sky Sports. Our match against Crystal Palace will also be rearranged for the following midweek. Date and time, TBC. Youth Cup Woe. Arsenal's under-18s lost to Liverpool in the quarter-finals of the FA Youth Cup last Friday at Anfield. The match finished 3-1 to the home side, and the Gunners will have to wait until next season to hopefully add to their seven trophies. A full report will appear in the West Brom programme. Gunning for glory. Football historian John Sperling looks at four of Arsenal's successful semi-finals in European competition. European Fairs Cup semi-final, April 8th, 1970. Arsenal 3, Ajax 0. Bertie Mead's rejuvenated Arsenal swept aside the emerging Ajax team at Highbury with a concasing display of attacking football in a memorable first leg of the Fairs Cup semi-final. Left-back Bob McNabb went close in two early efforts before Charlie George rifled home on 17 minutes. The ball flashed past me with virtually no backlift, admitted Ajax goalkeeper Gert Balls. Johan Cruyff threatened Arsenal on several occasions and Ajax looked potentially devastating on the counter-attack. But Peter Storey, revealing in his designated role of keeping the Dutchman quiet, stuck to his task. Midfielder John Samuels bundled in a crucial late second and when George Graham was bundled over, Charlie George blasted home the spot gift. Craig mightily impressed at George's passing ability, insisted afterwards, Charlie can become as good as Di Stefano. Thanks largely to the goalkeeper Bob Wilson and defender Peter Simpson, Ajax failed to build up on Jarrett Mick's 17th goal in the return leg and the Gunners' rear-guarded action ensured a 3-1 aggregate victory, securing a slot in the final against Belgian-signed Ankelect. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. 
When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. April the 9th, 1980. Arsenal 1. Juventus 1. Terry Neal's Arsenal side chances of progressing into the Cup Winners' Cup final played slim after a tight and controversial first leg at Highbury. Italian star Antonio Cabrini gave his visitors the lead, a rebound after Pat Jennings saved his spot kick and then the silver-haired Roberto Baggio removed central defender David O'Leary from the equation with a clinical lunge. There was justice as a sort when Batica scored an own goal late on, but at the times Clive Wright wrote prior to the return leg in the stadium communed, they, Juventus, are capable of murdering Arsenal nil-nil for this. All they need to go is go through at 1-1 at Highbury, and nil-nil are the most popular figures in Italian football. In over 25 years of European competition, no English side had won the stadium, but Arsenal hearts were resolute against a dramatic backdrop of firecrackers and Roman candles. Trapolini's men played extremely cautiously, refusing to take unnecessary risks and kill the tie. Arsenal energetic forays forward were blundered by a notorious mean defence which formed the cornerstone of Italy's World Cup winning side two years later. With 15 minutes remaining, Terry Neal threw caution to the wind and brought on an 18-year-old striker substitute, Paul Versane. In the dying minutes, midfielder Graham Ricks broke down the left and delivered an inch-perfect cross into the head of Vierson who steered the ball past legendary Italian goalkeeper Dino Zoft to put Arsenal into the final and stun Turin into total silence. Champions League semi-final. Arsenal 1. CVF 0. On Highbury's last ever night of European football, Colo Torre nettled Arsenal's winner after a tense clash with Emmanuel Pellegrini's Villarreal to put the Gunners within touching distance of the Champions League final. After a disruption, as a squirrel invaded the pitch, the ivory in his side footed home the Alex Lebs cross, but despite concerted pressure and a couple of Thierry Henry half chances, Arsenal unable to add their goal tally. Villarreal boss global talents Diego Forlan and Argentinian Juan Roman Rimelli were always likely to pose Arsene Wenger's side problems in the complete 8 Miguel, and so it proved. With Pellegrini's men paying neat passes, triangle style, Gullifurna almost headed over Villarreal into the lead, heading fractionally wide of Jan Leisman's post on two occasions, and then Forlorn somehow blasted wide when it looked far too easy to score. With seconds remaining, Gail Clichy was harshly adjudged to have fouled Jose Mari 
and the referee controversially awarded Villarreal a penalty. Lehman came to Klitsch's rescue, diving brilliantly to save the spot kick and book Arsenal's place in their first ever Champions League final in Paris. Europa League semi-final, May the 2nd, 2019. Arsenal 3, Valencia 1. The Gunners looked to be in for a testing night at the Emirates Stadium in the first leg of the Europa League semi-final when Dakodi put the visitors into the lead after 11 minutes with a header, but Emery's side fought back magnificently with Alexandre Lacazette scored twice and Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang volleyed home a late to give Arsenal that 3-1 win on the night. Valencia, with passion, home support, roaring them on with a fearsome proposition of the towering Valencia. And after Kevin Lemio swept home an early goal, Arsenal looked wobbly, with a home side squandering several fine chances in the first half. Arsenal's jangling nerves were settled when Aubameyang thumped in a deadly half volley from just outside Valencia's penalty area and Lacazette's sharp turn and finish put the tie beyond doubt. Although Valencia pulled another goal back, Aubameyang swept the ball home majestically from excellent mate Niles low cross and within seconds remaining completed his hat-trick with a thunderous finish to give Emery's team a 7-3 aggregate victory and put them in the 2019 Europa League final in Baku. Forward Arsenal, 30, Eddie Nicotia. Arsenal Football Club prides itself on always looking forward, so we're asking our players to gaze into the future to see what's on the horizon. How good are you at planning, Eddie? Are you an organised person generally? Quite organised. I like to get into a good routine, and I've got a good family who help me arrange my life around football. They allow me to concentrate on my work. They take the pressure off me from that side, so I like to be organised. At the same time, I don't look too far ahead or try to predict what will be happening. You can't get too carried away. You need to stay in the present time and take things day by day. How about on the pitch? Do you know what's coming up in the training sessions, for example? Yes, definitely. I like to know what we will be working on each day when the games are coming up, what sort of sessions we will be having, and which days are recovery days. It's important to know all this information so you can plan a little bit around it. I always look at the schedule for the next week at least and plan around that. What part of training do you look forward to the most? I like to be involved in the competitive stuff, the small games when there's a real intensity to it. But obviously, the best day of any week is match day, when you are playing. Nothing beats that at all. Do you look at the fixture list much and pull out interesting games? I have a good idea of the next three or four games coming up, and I always look to see whether it's a three-game week, what time the games are going to be, and stuff like that. And how does that affect your schedule and routine off the pitch? Not too much. I try to stick to the same bedtimes anyway. But if there's a day off, then you might have more time to do things. And then the nearer the games, I will try to get a little bit of extra sleep and make sure I'm well recovered and rested. Typically, what would your plans be for a day off? 
Well, out of lockdown, I probably have friends over. Play FIFA, chill out really. Listen to some music, whatever. I like to host more than go out these days. It's just easier. I like having people round to my place. Looking ahead, do you have a plan for where you'd like to be in a year or a few years' time? Well, next year, obviously, I know I want to be playing regular football. In terms of the future, I have big aspirations. I want to be a big player and maximise my potential and get the best out of myself. That's my main target right now. You are still only 21, but have you had any thoughts at all about what you would like to do after your playing career? I'm not 100% sure. I'm more thinking about my playing career. But in terms of planning for my future, I think I will maybe manage a property portfolio when I finish. Or maybe I'd like to stay in football, but I don't think I've got it in me to be a manager. I think that would be too demanding, but maybe I'd like to go into coaching or even punditry. There's a few areas to consider, but I will do that nearer the time. Have you had any coaching experience already? Yes, we all did a bit of coaching in our first couple of years as a scholar in the academy. I enjoyed it, to be fair. I like helping other players, communicating with them. I feel like I know what type of coaches I've enjoyed working with, so that's something I could potentially go into. A bit of coaching on a one-to-one basis and building relationships. What style of football would you like to coach? Well, as an attacker myself, it would definitely be attacking football. I like to be on the front foot, play forward and positive football. I couldn't really see myself being a manager if I'm being honest, but definitely in coaching. And punditry or media work as well, maybe? Yeah, I think so. I think I could be quite good in the media, you know. Obviously, it depends on how my career goes. But basically, I just love football. I love all the interactions with people in the game. And I love talking about it. So why not? What else would you like to do once you retire that you can't do as a player? I would love to travel. As footballers, we are so lucky to visit a lot of places, but you never have the time to really experience them. So I certainly want to explore more places in the future. Finally, if you were told there's a spare seat on the next trip to the moon, would you want to go? Is it a return ticket? Yeah, why not, if it's just for a visit? I'd go, why not? As long as you don't leave me there, I'd be up for it. In a dream world, what would be your next meal? Jollof rice. New car, a Lamborghini Urus, trophy you win, the World Cup, holiday destination, Miami, new teammate, Lionel Messi. Europa League semi-final first leg, 8pm, Thursday, April 29th, Estadio de la Ceramica. Villarreal 2, Arsenal 1. First half. We went behind after only five minutes after Samuel Chukwueze attacked makeshift left-back Granit Xhaka in the box. The ball broke kindly for Manu Trigueros, who blasted the ball past Bernd Leno. It was a real hammer blow, and just as we were slowly starting to work our way back into the game, Villarreal doubled their advantage as Raul Albiol volleyed in from close range after a corner. We thought we had our way back into the tie when we were awarded a penalty when Nicolas Pepe was hauled down in the area. 
only for VAR to overturn it for a handball by the Ivorian in the build-up. Second half. We started the second half with more impetus, and immediately Pepe had a half-chance blocked. But just as we were building momentum, Danny Caballos was sent off for a second bookable offence, and our task became even greater. Leno made a wonderful save from a powerful Marino shot from ten yards out, but as it began to look like the tie was getting away from us, Bukayo Saka was tripped in the box, and Pepe kept his composure to slot home from the spot. Game and tie on. It soon took another twist as Etienne Capoue was sent off for a second bookable offence after a wild tackle on Saka. There was still time for a late chance for Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang on as a sub just minutes before after a wonderful Thomas Partey through ball, but he slipped as he shot and saw his effort saved. Community. Arsenal B-Tech students are back. No doubt the pandemic has affected many of our participants in a variety of ways. One of the most impacted programmes during lockdown has been our sports coaching B-Tech Level 3 qualification. Our 16 to 18 year old Arsenal students study a two year full time A-level equivalent programme. The course has an emphasis on football coach education as the underlying practical element alongside academic theory, such as anatomy, physiology, sports psychology, sports injuries and talent ID. March saw an excited return for our students to weekly coach education sessions. These sessions, delivered by UEFA qualified coaches, aim at exploring the fundamentals of football coaching, including sessions design delivery, player age and characteristics. Students have staggered a return to a classroom academic thoroughly throughout April and May with an in-depth practical emphasis work experience plays an integral part in the qualification with many of Arsenal in the community's programmes having returned to activity. Students will have access to some amazing experiences and opportunities in the coming months. A huge thank you to all the staff throughout the club for your support with the students during this period. If you would like more information on our post-16 education provision, please contact Martin Davis at mdavis at arsenal.co.uk. The Arsenal Foundation. My story. The work of the Arsenal Foundation and the partners and initiatives it supports have touched the lives of a great number of people in a variety of ways. The Arsenal Foundation has helped fund the Spits, a charity that uses the power of live music to increase well-being while reducing isolation and loneliness. Bridgeside Lodge care home resident Olive and her daughter Vanessa tell us how it has helped. Olive I think I shocked the Spitz musicians on my last birthday in January. I was 94, but they thought I was in my 70s. The secret for me was happiness and the Northumberland air. I moved to London in the late 1940s and worked as a midwife. I met my husband, Daddy, at a Saturday evening dance at Hornsey Town Hall in Crouch End. This was during the big band scene, and we did lots of dancing. 
Eddie moved to Australia, so I followed him, and we got married in Sydney, had four children, and lived in New South Wales for nearly 14 years. Then, in 1964, we moved back to London, to Highbury. Eddie was born around the corner from Arsenal Stadium and was an ardent Arsenal supporter. These lockdowns have been hard for everyone, and especially people who have been unable to see family. My newest great-grandchild Roman arrived on New Year's Eve and was born healthy, which is all you can ask for. I have always loved the music we get here from the Spits, and it was wonderful that they were able to bring us some happiness last summer. I spent the first lockdown in my room, so it was great to get out and enjoy some fresh air too. Vanessa, it has been very difficult not being able to see my mum face to face. She loves to see her family, so every week during the first lockdown, we went to the canal to clap for the NHS and the staff at Bridgeside Lodge on a Thursday evening. I would wave to Mum and shout up at her window, but she couldn't hear very well, so I got her a mobile phone. I can now go in once a week and see her in the living room, which is brilliant. Mum has found it very hard too, and she didn't understand why we couldn't see her. I feel we've lost her whole year, and she isn't getting any younger. I do think her mental health has deteriorated, but I was happy to know she was safe and well looked after by all the staff. Mum loves playing bingo, which they couldn't do, but she did have the music. She would tell me what songs they'd been singing, and we talked about her favourites, although I had to Google one because she couldn't remember the name. It was one she liked when she first met my dad, some enchanted evening from South Pacific. My mum has greatly benefited from having the spits at the care home, and they are so lovely to her. Music is information for the elderly because it brings back memories of the good times when they were young. For info or to make a donation, visit www.spits.org.uk. Villarreal by Mike Hammond Formed March 10th, 1923 Nickname El Submarino Amarillo The Yellow Submarine Stadium Estadio de la Caremica Capacity 23,500 Honours La Liga Runners-up 2007-08 Segunda Division Runners-up 2012-13 Tercera Division, Winners, 1970 UEFA Intertoto Cup, Winners, 2003-2004 UEFA Champions League, Semi-Finalists, 2005-6 Europa League Semi-Finalists, 2003-4, President, Fernando Riog Social Followers Twitter, 518,000. Instagram, 859,000. Facebook, 958,000. Following last week's 2-1 win against Arsenal at the Estadio de la Ceramica, Villarreal have played more matches, 86, registered more wins, 46, and scored more goals, 151, in the UEFA Europa League than any other club. But they have never won the competition. Indeed, they have yet to reach a major European final. 
So tonight's encounter is equally important to the Spanish club as it is to their hosts. Indeed, they too, like the Gunners, will almost certainly need to lift the trophy in Gdansk later this month to earn a place in next season's UEFA Champions League. Adding to tonight's intrigue, of course, is the return to Emirates Stadium of former Arsenal boss Unai Emery, who is by far the most successful coach in the 12-season history of the Europa League, having led Sevilla to their hat-trick of trophy successes from 2013-14 stroke 14, to 2015-16, stroke 16, and also taken the Gunners to the final against Chelsea in Baku two years ago. Unai will tonight take charge of his 92nd Europa League match, 32 more than anyone else, as he pursues his quest to lead Villarreal to the first major honour in the club's history. Villarreal have yet to claim a La Liga title or Copa del Rey win. This is their fourth semi-final appearance in the UEFA Cup stroke Europa League, with defeats in all of the previous three, most recently against another Premier League club, Liverpool, in 2015-16, stroke when they followed up a 1-0 home win with a 3-0 defeat at Anfield. The club's greatest ever achievement was reaching the last four of the Champions League under Manuel Pellegrini in 2005-6, stroke only for Arsenal to bar their route to the final with a 1-0 aggregate success. Colo Torre's only goal in the first leg at Highbury proving sufficient thanks to Lenz Yeaman's dramatic late penalty save in the return. Villarreal have finished sufficiently high in La Liga over the past couple of decades to make European participation a regular annual adventure, though they had a rare season off in 2019-20, stroke having finished a lowly 14th in the previous campaign. Last season they ended up 5th, their 6th top 6 placing out of 7 since they returned to the Spanish top flight in 2013, following a single season in the Segunda Division. This term, their first campaign under Unai Emery, they have been on the fringes of the European places once again, but their best has undoubtedly been saved for Europe. They cruise through their Europa League group, finishing first ahead of Makaba Tel Aviv, Sivaspor and Kwarabag, despite playing only five of their six matches, the last of them at home to Kwarabag cancelled because of COVID-19. Two teams that played Champions League football in the autumn, Salzburg and Dynamo Kiev, were then both beaten with ease in the first two knockout rounds before Villarreal made its seven successive Europa League wins by overcoming Tottenham's conquerors Dinamo Zagreb 1-0 away and 2-1 at home in the quarter-finals to book this last four date. It became eight in a row last Thursday against Arsenal. Mutual admiration. Santi Cazorla played 180 games for Arsenal, scoring 29 times, many of them of the highest quality, including a crucial freed kick to get the Gunners back in the game in the 2014 FA Cup final. At Villarreal, his contribution has been remarkable over three spells. Young Santi played three seasons, 2003 to 2006, scoring seven times in 75 games before returning from a spell at Recreativo to play four stellar seasons, 2007-2011, to 2011, scoring 28 goals in 173 games. Then, after a trip to Malaga and six years in North London, Santi had two final seasons, when many said he would never play again due to an horrific Achilles injury 
at the Estadio de la Ceramica, and they proved the most prolific campaigns of his career, scoring 22 times in 86 games to seal legendary status. Santi is still playing at 35, in the Qatari League for Al Saad under former Spain teammate Xavi, where he has scored 10 goals in 15 games this season. Scouting Report by Michael Cox Unai Emery is renowned for chopping and changing his formation and starting eleven, and he may make significant changes from the approach he used in Villarreal's 2-1 victory in Spain last week. He will be without central midfielder Etienne Capoue, who is definitely suspended and possibly injured too after his rash tackle 10 minutes from time. That means former gunner Francis Coquelin will probably start in the holding role. Coquelin was introduced at half-time last week, with Villarreal 2-0 up. He replaced centre-forward Paco Alcacer, with Villarreal moving from an attacking-looking 4-2-2-2 system to a more cautious 4-3-3, which became 4-5-1 without the ball. As ever with Emery, all those formations are possible for the return leg, but it would be a slight surprise if he persisted with Alcacer, a proper penalty box striker, when Villarreal are likely to play on the counter-attack. That, therefore, would mean Villarreal playing roughly the same as in the second half, with Gerard Moreno leading the line. He's enjoying the best campaign of his career, and has been particularly prolific since the turn of the year. Happy enough starting from the right flank, he's been more effective up front, where his movement into the channels is exceptional. The right-sided role will be played by Samuel Chukwuzi, whose trickery contributed to the opening goal, and Arsenal need to avoid makeshift left-back Granit Xhaka being exposed to his speed and dribbling ability. That opener was scored by Manu Trigueros, who started from the left but found himself in a right-sided position to slam home, which was, in truth, somewhat out of keeping with his general style, as it was only his second goal of the campaign, and he's more about knitting play together between the lines. Danny Pajero is Villarreal's midfield orchestrator, a typical Spanish midfielder capable of playing deep and controlling the game, before pushing forward to provide quality in the final third. He starts in a double pivot when Emery uses two central midfielders, but the addition of a third would give him more license to push forward into attack. Cocala has a good relationship with Parejo, having played alongside him at Valencia. In fact, that was Valencia's midfield partnership when Arsenal won 4-2 at the Mestella in this round two years ago. Moy Gomez, a steady operator who's started the majority of league games this season, would likely be the third midfielder. Defensively, the partnership of Raul Abiol and Pau Torres works excellently. Abiol, who scored the second last week from a set piece, is now 35 and still commanding in the air but less keen on moving out of his position to close down opponents. Torres, 24, and coveted by several big clubs, is much more aggressive in his defending. Right-back Juan Foyth, on loan from Spurs, is confusingly a natural centre-back who wears number 8 and didn't look entirely happy against the pace of Nicolas Pepe, while Alfonso Pedraza is a steady left-back, more likely to overlap and cross. Developing Strong Young Gunners In this issue, 
younger Zane Mollewis. Match reports, a win and two draws. News, Joe's the Lone King. Remember, Chuck Zanke. Stats, results and fixtures. Young Gun, Zane Malui. When I think about my love for football and where it all started, my mind goes straight back to the school playground. At that age, it's all about having fun and just hanging out with your mates. And I think it's so important to treat football like it was when you're young. They're simple memories, but I love them. Football has been part of my life for as long as I can remember. Growing up, one of my brothers and my dad supported Arsenal. The other brother supported Chelsea. So I had the choice to make quite early on. As a kid, I played most of my football just down at the local park and in the school. It wasn't nothing serious or something I was really focusing on. But when I joined Dulwich Hamlet at seven, I started to realise I had something about me on the pitch. I was a little better than my schoolmates. That's when I decided that this is something I really should work on. Any chance or opportunity to change or work on my skills, I'd take it. And eventually, one day, I was asked to attend Arsenal's pre-academy. But I was quite lucky. I had a family friend who knew so someone at Arsenal, and he passed on his recommendation that the academy should take a look at me. I guess they liked what they saw, and I've been here ever since. Growing up around Gooners, I had a rough idea of what it meant to get that opportunity. But it's only now when I look back I realise just how fortunate I was. When you're that young, it's hard to process everything. And it's easy to think a lot of kids get the same opportunity. But that was a big thing for me, and my family showed so much love and support. It's crazy to think that basically I've spent my entire childhood at Hale End. I've got so many amazing memories from that time there, but one of my favourites is watching Emil Reese and all the lads just play. I remember watching them in a game and being blown away with how skillful, sharp and quick they were. And it really stuck with me, because it reminded me of the heights I need to get to if I want to make that first team. I've seen them grow up and get more and more opportunities each season. So it's reminded me to remain focused and keep working hard to be able to train with them sometimes is an absolute privilege. Above all else though, I've had a lot of fun during my time at Hale End. Being able to express yourself on the pitch is an amazing feeling, especially when you're surrounded by your mates. As for this season, I'd like to think it's been a real breakthrough year for me. My 17th birthday was back in October and I went on to make my debut for the under-23s a month later, so it was quite an amazing experience. Then my goal at the start of the season, so achieve it before 2021 was great. I played four live games since then, starting in all four, and I've been really pleased with my performance. There's plenty of room for improvement, and the fact that I've been given these opportunities shows that my hard work is paying off. And if I describe my style of play, I'd say that I'm on a modern-day centre-half who is comfortable on the ball and effective in possession. I feel like I can always turn the game forward from the back and I'm always confident in these situations. And the most important thing as a defender, I played a few games at right back this season too. So it's been a good for my development because you need to test yourself and it helps you to become a more complete player. I feel like my exposure to the under 23s has been really beneficial too. I've gained a lot of experience very quickly because the ball speed and communication is so much faster. So when I then go back to the under-18s, I feel like I should be one of the standout players and someone that should lead on the pitch. It's given me an extra confidence in myself, and I feel like I've shown that in the FA Youth Cup. 
Learning from Steve Bold has been great too. He's given me a lot of tips on how to be a better defender. They're all very subtle things that don't get mentioned a lot, but when you add a few of them together, it makes all the difference, especially in those split-second moments. He's played at a very high level and he was part of the most famous back fours in history. So I just want to keep learning from him and becoming a better leader for the under-23s next season. St. Lewis, the lowdown. What's your earliest memory of football? Playing in reception. Who got you into playing football? My family. Who is your first footballer you looked up to? Ronaldinho. What's your favourite football shirt you've owned? A Brazil shirt. Which team did you support as a child? Arsenal. What's the best goal you've ever scored outside a box long shot versus Watford? What's the best piece of skill you've ever done in a game? A nutmeg. What's the best in the moment in your career so far? Signing my pro deal. The one stadium you'd like to score in? The Elysees Arena. One type of goal you'd like to score? A bicycle kick. One player to score a one-on-one with to save your life. Who do you choose? Brazilian Ronaldo. If you can completely change position, where would you play? Centre midfield. What's the best training ground tip you've ever been given? Be the best on and off the pitch. Another sport you're good at is table tennis. What is your ambitions for this season away from the pitch to get my driver's licence? What's the biggest lesson you've learned off the pitch from being at Arsenal? No matter the circumstances, keep working. If you could be any footballer, past or present, you would be Ronaldinho. Your favourite person to follow on Instagram is 360TV. Your most played Spotify artist is Future. Your favourite musician right now, a little drunk. Match report. Arsenal 2, Chelsea 1. The under-18 Premier League South, Tuesday the 20th of April, London Colney. Our under-18s came from a goal behind to secure a crucial 2-1 win over Chelsea. It was a little less ideal start for Ken Gillard's side, who, securing their FA Cup quarter-final place last week, began on the back foot against a high-flying blue side. Jude Bell climbed highest to meet Charlie Webster's corner and head past Evelinian into the Arsenal net. We nearly hit back straight away when Zane Orr was brought down on the edge of the box. Omri Hutchinson rolled a free kick to Kiddo Tuna Hart, but he couldn't keep his shot down from 10 yards. But we would soon find our equaliser. And, in spectacular fashion, Hutchinson laid the loose ball onto Marcus Flores' pathway in the half-time line, and after exchanging partners with Edwards, our number 10, arrowed an unstoppable strike into the top corner. Chelsea had the opportunity to restore their lead on the stroke of half-time when Thomas broke at pace down the left-hand side, but Ijeri was equal to Jaden Wareham's 20-yard effort. Instead, he took advantage just four minutes after the restart. Jack Henry Francis threaded a perfectly weighted ball through to Mazid, who slotted home to the near post. Chelsea could have levelled moments later when Webster lofted into another set piece, but... Elegi was there and alert to keep out that header before Omri Francis cleared Wareham's follow-up on the line to seal three hard-earned points for our young gunners. Match report. Leicester 1, Arsenal 1. Under-18s Premier League South, Saturday, April 24th, Leicester City Football Club Academy.
Amani Richards scored the first goal in the under-18 level last week when we were held at a 1-1 draw by Leicester City. With the games coming thick and fast for our under-18s and under-23s, Ken Gillard was forced into a number of key changes, with only Zach Orr remaining in our 2-1 victory over Chelsea from the previous Tuesday. Three schoolboys were named in our starting eleven: were Richards, Roar Waters and Bradley Ibrahim. Whilst Christopher Allen Quetta Thorne and Kyle Green made their debuts. Keen to impress, we started well at Leicester City training ground and came close to an opener early on when Joel Adido and Richards combined before the latter was denied by Chitrin Onzi. Ethan Frunzel tried his luck for the hosts moments later, wriggling away from his marker and taking aim from 25 yards, only for Remy Mitchell to palm away the danger efficiently. Richard had been lively all afternoon and came close once more on the stroke of half-time, skipping past two players inside the arena before being denied from close range. But following the restart, he got the reward for his hard work and persistence with a sweeping counter-attack. Richards flicked the ball out for a wide for Ibrahim to run onto it before dating into the penalty area and latching onto an inch-perfect delivery for his first goal at this level. This was only a second appearance for Kem Gillard's side. We continued to push on and created a number of promising opportunities, but with the long ball over the top in our defence, Will Russ raced through on goal and forced the ball from an on-rushing Remy Mitchell. Russ stepped up and made no mistake to find the bottom corner, leaving us to settle for the share of the spoils in East Midlands. Match report. Leicester City 1, Arsenal 1. Under 23, Premier League 2, Monday, April the 26th at Leicester City Training Ground. Our under 23s moved five points clear of the Premier League 2 relegation zone last week as they were held to a 1-1 draw by Leicester City. Daniel Okogun returned from injury and started on right back whilst Omri Hutchinson came off the bench to make his debut. Marcelo Flores also received his first call-up for this level. The Foxes started strongly with their less than 15 minutes on the clock with a gifted with a golden opportunity to open the scoring. Tuanat Switcherum picked up the ball under the pass to race through on goal and round the keeper, but our defenders tracked his run and managed to make that vital block to put behind for a corner. We maintained our focus throughout and followed some fine hold play from Nicole Moller to control a goal kick to play Trey Coyle in behind our number 11. He charged forward to make no mistake in finding the bottom corner. Shortly after, there was a fine combination play between Michelle Aziz and Kiddo Taylor Hart before George Lewis fired one from the edge of the area. Following the restart, we continued to push forward in the search of the second, but despite our best efforts, it was the host who struck next. Shinchawinter one found him through on goal and saw his initial effort saved by Tom Smith, but the rebound found kindly and he was hand to finish at the second time of asking. Steve Vold's side knew that three points would guarantee safety, but with Leicester sitting just one place below us, the remaining half hour played out as a cagey affair with both sides avoiding turnovers and any late mistakes. Academy News Academy Loan Watch. Five of our Academy stars were in action for their loan clubs over the weekend, April 24th to 25th. Read on to find how they fared. Harry Clark played a full match as Oldham lost 2-1 against Grimsby at Boundary Park. Mark McGuinness played the entire game and kept a clean sheet as Ipswich drew 0-0 at AFC Wimbledon. 
Daniel Ballard played a full match as Blackpool lost 1-0 to Shrewsbury in the League 1. Our 20-year-old defender was starting his sixth game in a row for his side but couldn't prevent them from slipping back-to-back defeats in the league. Joseph Alluel played 90 minutes as Wheelstone lost 2-0 to Aldershot in the recreation ground this weekend. And Terence John Jules played 62 minutes for Doncaster, lost 1-0 to Fleetwood at home. Our 20-year-old striker has featured in every game since his return from injury against Shrewsbury earlier in the month, but couldn't prevent his side from slipping to defeat on Saturday. One to watch, Bradley Ibrahim. With just two starts from the under-18s this season, Bradley Ibrahim has shown plenty of promise at the heart of our midfield. The 16-year-old made his debut for Ken Gillard's side in late March, playing 90 minutes in a 4-3 win over Reading. And just last week has provided an assist to our 1-1 draw with Leicester City. A lively midfielder who likes to regain possession with timely interceptions and challenges, Ibrahim also enjoys pushing forward and supporting his teammates in the final third. This was demonstrated perfectly against the Foxes as he combined with Charlie Sugar Jr. and Amani Richards before breaking free down the right wing and crossing for the latter to finish at close range. Ibrahim has put a number of displays to our under-16 this season and we'll be hoping for more opportunities as we approach the end of the campaign and we prepare for 21-22. Willock stars for Magpies, again. Joe Willock was targeted again for Newcastle United last week on the 95th minute strike, earned the Magpies a point against Liverpool at Anfield. The 21-year-old Hale graduate replaced Kieran Clark on the hour of his side trailing 1-0 as he pounced on Gwite Gale's header for a fire past Allison to secure a share of the spoils. Willock has been in fine form since joining Newcastle United on deadline day in a January transfer window. The dynamic young midfielder opened his Newcastle account on his debut, securing a winner on a 3-2 win over Southampton. And started their next six league fixtures. He returned to the bench against our North London rivals, but then came on the 79th minute to fire home a late equaliser. This was followed by another late winner against West Ham, just one week later. Academy Illumi. Catching up with former Arsenal Academy players as they continue their pro careers away from the Emirates. Chuck Zanke. Chuck Zanke found a poignant forward line with Ben Affode in the Arsenal Academy, scoring 12 goals in 27 reserve league games for the team between 2009 and 2011. The striker has been a scholar ever since 2009 but has joined the club aged 7 in 2001 and always been able to say that he played the first team football for his boyhood club when he came on as a late substitute for Allied Oxlade-Chamberlain in a 3-1 win over Shrewsbury Town at Emirates Stadium for a League Cup game on September 20th, 2011. Opportunities were limited with the Gunners and after a loan spell at Stevenage, Preston North End and Crew Alexandra the latter of the two season spells when he scored 24 goals in 82 games and made 14 assists. He left Arsenal permanently for Zugwerum in the Belgian top division, where he stayed for two seasons, playing 41 times and scoring four times. Chuck's a powerful six foot three who played across the midfield and forward positions during his career, then headed to MK Dons in League One for a very productive three seasons. 
playing 94 times, scoring 33 times and assisting with 16 goals. He has proved to be one of the best potent attackers at that level. He headed back home to London after a start of last season to Charlton Athletic in the Championship and the 27-year-old has played 59 times for the Addicts, scoring 15 goals as they push for League One playoff between their three games of the season. Arsenal Women. News and reports from England's most successful women's football team. Women's Super League, Wednesday, April 28th, Meadow Park. Arsenal 2. Goal scorers, Midema 33, Little 78, West Ham United 0. Arsenal team, Williams, Maritz, Williamson, Wuben Moy, McCabe, Walty, Little, Nobbs, substitute Ruud, 72, Mead, substitute Van der Donk, 86, Midema, Ford. Subs not used, Zinsberger, Goldie, Meyer, Cately, Good. We moved one step closer to Champions League qualification with a valuable 2-0 victory over West Ham. Joe Montemuro opted to play Viviane Medema in the number 10 role and his decision certainly paid off as she delivered an outstanding performance from start to finish to secure our 8th consecutive win. We ran out 9-1 winners the last time we faced the Hammers in the Women's Super League and once again we created a number of clear-cut chances early on. Only this time our finishing let us down. First, Caitlin Ford forced Mackenzie Arnold into a save from a diving header before Jordan Nobbs fired wide from six yards out and saw her next effort disallowed for offside. We grew increasingly frustrated as we passed the half-hour mark, but with a moment of magic from Edema, we opened the scoring. Noel Maritz started the move from a throw-in and Medema cut inside onto her left foot, firing home with power and precision from 25 yards. No other WSL player has scored more London derby goals than the Netherlands international, 12. The second half proved to be a tightly contested affair, with West Ham keen to keep the scoreline down. But late on we managed to break through their defence one last time, with Kim Little showing exceptional footwork to skip past two defenders and fire into the bottom corner. Lydia Williams then went on to produce an exceptional save deep into stoppage time, ensuring we haven't conceded a goal in over 720 minutes across all competitions. Women's Super League, Sunday, May the 2nd, Meadow Park. Everton 1, scorer Finnegan 74, Arsenal 2, scorers McCabe 22, Little, 90, penalty. Arsenal, Zinsberger, Maritz, Williamson, Walty, McCabe, Little, Nobbs, substitute Ruud, 81, Mead, substitute Cately, 81, Van der Donk, Midema, Ford. Subs not used, Williams, Goldie, Vubenmoy, Meyer, Cately, Good. We all but secured Women's Champions League football for the 2021-22 season on Sunday, with Kim Little converting a stoppage-time penalty to beat Everton 2-1. We've now won each of our last nine fixtures and can head into the final game of the season knowing that Manchester United will need to overturn a goal difference of 26 to pip us to third place. As for the lineup, Caitlin Ford kept her place as our centre-forward 
with Vivian Medema operating as a number 10, while Lai Walty replaced Lottie Wuben Moy at the heart of our defence. We placed the Toffees under pressure straight from the kickoff, and following a number of searching balls behind their defence, Katie McCabe raced in behind to chip the onrushing Alexandra McIver for her fourth league goal of the season. It was a deserved lead for our first half efforts, and following the restart, Beth Mead came close to doubling our advantage after firing into the side's netting from a promising position. We continued to dominate possession, but with a sweeping counter-attack, Everton were able to break free down the wing and cross for Megan Finnegan, who equalised against the run of play. As we entered stoppage time, it looked like our hopes of Women's Champions League football would become more complex. But with one last attack, McCabe charged into the penalty area and forced a foul, leaving the referee with no other choice than to point to the spot. Our captain stepped up and with the final kick of the game fired a stunning effort into the top right corner. 2020-21 stroke fixtures. September 6th, Reading, 6-1. September 12th, West Ham United, 9-1. September 26th, Tottenham, FA Cup, QF, 4-0. October 1st, Manchester City, FA Cup, semi-final, 1-2. October 4th, Bristol City, 3-1. October 7th, Chelsea, CC, 1-4. October 11th, Brighton and Hove Albion, 5-0. October 18th, Tottenham Hotspur, 6-1. November 4th, London City Lionesses, CC, 4-0. November 8th, Manchester United, 0-1. November 15th, Chelsea, 1-1. November 18th, Tottenham Hotspur, CC, 2-2. Note, Arsenal won on penalties. December 6th, Birmingham City, 3-0. December 13th, Manchester City, 1-2. December 20th, Everton, 4-0. January 17th, Reading, 1-1. February 7th, Manchester City, 1-2. February 10th, Chelsea, 0-3. February 28th, Aston Villa, 4-0. March 7th, Birmingham City, 4-0. March 2nd, Manchester United, 2-0. March 27th, Tottenham Hotspur, 3-0. April 4th, Bristol City, 4-0. April 18th, Gillingham, FA Cup, 4th round, 10-0. April 25th, Brighton and Hove Albion, 2-0. To be arranged, West Ham United, 2-0. May 2nd, Everton, 2-1. May 9th, Aston Villa, home. May 16th, Crystal Palace, FAC 5, home. Women's Super League at May 3rd. Manchester City played 21, won 16, drawn 4, lost 1, 464, against 13, goal difference 51, points 52. Chelsea played 20, won 16, drawn 3, lost 1, 462, against 10, goal difference 52, points 51. Arsenal Played 21, won 15, drawn 2, lost 4, 463, against 15, goal difference 48, points 47. Manchester United, played 21, won 14, drawn 2, lost 5, 442, 
against 20, goal difference 22, points 44. Everton played 21, won 9, drawn 5, lost 7, 4, 39, against 28, goal difference 11, points 32. Reading played 21, won 5, drawn 9, lost 7, 4, 25, against 36, goal difference minus 11, points 24. Brighton played 21, won 7, drawn 3, lost 11, 418 against 40 goal difference minus 22 points 24 Tottenham played 20 won 4 drawn 5 lost 11 417 against 39 goal difference minus 22 points 17 West Ham United played 21 won 3 drawn 6 lost 12 421 against 38 goal difference minus 17 Points 15. Birmingham City played 21, won 3, drawn 6, lost 13, 4 15, against 43, goal difference 28, points 15. Aston Villa played 21, won 3, drawn 5, lost 13, 4 15, against 47, goal difference 32, points 14. Bristol City played 21, 1 2, drawn 6, lost 13, 4 17, against 69, goal difference minus 52, points 12. Premier League, match day 33, 8pm Friday, April the 23rd at the Emirates Stadium. Arsenal 0, Everton 1. First half. The visitors had the early sights of goal. The first came when Lucas Digny curled in a cross that Dominic Calvert-Lewin headed wide at the near post before the former's deflected strike nearly caught out Bernd Leno, who reacted well to make a smart stop. Buku Osaka then had a snapshot saved after a good build-up play, but despite dominating possession, we struggled to make clear-cut chances. Leno made a full-length diving save to deny Richarlison on the half-hour mark, while Gilfie Sigurdsson hit the top of the crossbar from a free kick before the interval. Second half. After the restart, a brilliant block from Rob Holding denied Sigurdsson, but then we thought we had won a penalty when Danny Caballos was tripped in the box by Richarlison, but VAR deemed that Nicolas Pepe was millimetres offside in the build-up. Callum Chambers then shot high and wide when a free kick from the left bounced invitingly in front of him. Caballos then tested Jordan Pickford with a shot from just outside the area as we looked to press home our advantage. But with less than 15 minutes remaining, Richarlison got past Granite Zaka in the box and hit a low cross that hit Leno and went through his legs and in. That proved to be the decisive blow and settled an underwhelming match. Teams For Arsenal, manager Mikel Arteta Red shirts with white sleeves, white shorts and socks 1. Bernd Leno, goalkeeper 2. Hector Bellerin 3. Kieran Tierney 6. Gabriel 7. Pukeo Saka 
8. Danny Ceballos 9. Alexandra Lacazette 11. Martin Odegaard 12. William 13. Alex Runason, goalkeeper 14. Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang 16. Rob Holding 17. Cedric Suarez 18. Thomas Partey 19. Nicolas Pepe 21. Callum Chambers 22. Pablo Mori 23. David Lewis 24. Reese Nelson 25. Mohamed Elneny 30. Eddie Nketiah 32. Emil Smith-Rowe 33. Matt Ryan, goalkeeper 34. Granit Xhaka 35. Gabriel Martinelli 38. Follerin Balogun 41. Ben Cottrell 66. Miguel Aziz For Villarreal, head coach Unai Emery Yellow shirts, shorts and socks 1. Sergio Arsenio Goalkeeper 2. Mario Gaspar 3. Raul Albiol 4. Pau Torres 5. Daniel Pareo 6. Ramiro Funes Mori 7. Gerard Mourinho 8. Juan Voith 9. Carlos Baca 11. Samu Chukwesi 12. Daniel Raba 13. Geronimo Rulli, goalkeeper 14. Manu Trigueros 15. Pervis Astupinan 17. Paco Alchaca 18. Alberto Mourinho 19. Francis Coquelin 20. Ruben Penner 21. Joam Costa 23. Moy Gomez 24. Alfonso Pedraza 25. Etienne Caboy 30. Jeremy Pino 31. Ika Goalkeeper 32. Alex Baina 34. Hernando Nino Match officials, unless stated, tonight's officials are from Slovenia. Referee Slavko Vincic, Assistant Referees Tomasz Klanchnik, Andras Kovacic, Fourth Official Maciej Jug, VAR Bastian Dankert, Germany, Assistant VAR Paul Giel, Poland. Tonight's other fixture Roma 2 versus Manchester United 6. The Arsenal Foundation, helping young people fulfil their potential through education and sport. Premier League, Arsenal. In our game, there's always room for passion. There's room for rivalry. There's room for emotion. But there is no room for racism. If you see it, report it. No room for racism. Kick it out. Tackling racism and discrimination. Download the Kick It Out app or tell a police officer or steward in the stadium. Take your seat. Sky Sports. 
Feel it all. Future forever faster humor. Premier League, official Premier League app. Manage your fantasy team and receive the latest Premier League updates. Free to download. Download on the App Store, get it on Google Play. Available at Amazon. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.